Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's doing whatever this legal eyes on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have a lot to talk about today, and I do mean quite a lot. If you have been paying attention to the Twitter story at all, woo! Let me tell you, it is getting spicy. New updates on the FTX story also getting very spicy, especially with the way it's being covered. And NVIDIA GPUs also getting very, very, very spicy. As a side note, you have no idea how many retakes we needed and how many technical difficulties we've had to get this podcast up and going today. It is absolutely madness. Completely and utterly Oh man, auto ducker's not working, which got me kerfuffled. And I think we had like a good six false starts. It's just, ugh. it's just, oh man, 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 man. But you know what? At least I'm not Intel. You want to know why? Because Intel has to go ahead and pay $1 billion because they managed to lose a patent lawsuit. Yeah. A patent held by VLSI Technology, a company that, if you never heard of it, congratulations, that means you're normal. A company that no one has ever heard of, most likely, all they do is just collect patents and basically do nothing with them. And in fact, all the patent does is, quote, sequential ordering of transistors in digital systems with multiple requesters which just boils down to how cpu processes data and keeps the information flowing from the cache and memory yeah this company has done like nothing with it like at all so basically intel lost a battle and is now fined one billion dollars which despite in despite intel's worth still hits it still hurts like a fair amount they might be a multi-billion dollar company but you know Imagine if you got a ticket for uh, 10% of what's currently in your account. It's going to sting no matter how big you are. It's going to be more annoying than anything just because it's such a ticky-tack little thing and it's arguable that it shouldn't have even come up in the first place. How much you want to bet that Intel's going to appeal? I almost guarantee you it's going to result in an appeal of some kind. In other news, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is now out, all right? I have been intentionally trying to keep myself oblivious to the game because I still plan on playing it blind at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. I still want to go ahead and actually play it blind with a few other streamers. I actually have a whole thing planned. My copy hasn't come in yet. People who have played it, however, um, have discovered something that is concerning. And that is a massive amount of performance glitches within the game. Now, while the game was being teased, we saw a lot of concerning little things graphically that were being shown up. And we're just like, you know, maybe it's just an early development copy. You know, maybe it's uh, they're just showing us an, an early alpha version. So they have something rather than doing a pre-rendered thing, because Game Freak historically is never like doing pre-rendered nonsense they only like doing pre-animated nonsense well um yeah we have uh glitches that include npcs clapping their hand to their elbow that turned around and broke their arm somehow 
We have people becoming giants to go ride an invisible motorcycle. We have uh, Pokemon clipping in and out of existence for a couple of frames. It's just kind of surprising that one of the most high-valued video game intellectual properties on the planet ends up being, well, performing this poorly. It's rather surprising. And finally, finally, people are starting to talk about, and granted, we had a little bit of this in Pokemon Sword and Shield, but people are starting to talk about, like, you know, we kind of expect better out of Game Freak and out of the Pokemon company. This was very clearly an incident of the Pokemon company wanted a lot and then said Game Freak had a very strict deadline to do it with no flexibility for delays. And honestly, for a project as ambitious as Violet and Scarlet, because Violet and Scarlet, unlike past Pokemon games, is first off fully 3D, which we've only seen a handful of times with varying amounts of quality, we'll just say. And this game is also open world and real-time co-op, which honestly is something we've been begging for out of the Pokemon franchise for a long, long time. However, in this case, it was clearly rushed. Now, lately, for games that have been rushed, weren't finished, and then patched later, there's been a decent track record. No Man's Sky, of course, a very notorious bad launch and then patched later to a very good game when all said and done. Their Cyberpunk 2077 launched absolutely abysmally, did get delayed, but even the delay was not enough, but has gotten to a point where it's significantly better than what it was, but still kind of falling short. Of course, there's FF14, a game that launched terribly to the point of almost ruining the company, and granted, its fixing process took uh, years. But here's the thing. As much as I'd love to think that Game Freak and the Pokemon Company are going to go ahead and fix all of this. You know what the worst part is? I am willing to bet they won't. Let's be honest. Would you be surprised either? Would you really be surprised if none of the graphical glitches were fixed? It was just considered, well, that's the state of this Pokemon. You got your one or two pieces of DLC instead of, you know, a Pokemon, whatever the yellow version of Scarlet and Violet would be. I don't know, Goldenrod? Hmm. And then they just moved on to the next generation. Would you really be surprised? I wouldn't. Unfortunately, that's about what I expect out of Game Freak and the Pokemon Company at this point. They know that their fan base is hopelessly addicted to these games. We're going to buy them every single freaking time. And then just, they're just going to move on and get the next one. And that'll be it. Someone in chat says, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot less defending at this time. So am I. But I got a feeling, and I want to be wrong. I so want to be wrong. I have a feeling they're going to cut their losses and try to stick to the schedule. I haven't gone back and actually taken a look to see if they have a clockwork schedule that if every two years they want a mainline Pokemon game out. But I got a feeling they have something like that going, and they're going to try and work their butts off to make that happen. Someone in chat said that will bite them in the butt hard if that's what they do. Yeah, yeah, it would. I thought the same thing with uh, some of the wonkiness and terrible nonsense that happened in Sword and Shield, but guess what? 
nothing was done. Nothing was done about the route that was way, way too short than what the map showed. Nothing was done about the terrible story, right? Nothing was done about the lack of content. I take that back. They did do one thing. When the fan base griped hard about Sword and Shield not having the entire full Pokedex, they did come back and patch that. So we have that. We have that little bit of hope. The fact that we have that one instance where they actually listened to the fan base caved and went back and fixed something. One out of the entire history of the franchise. Like I said, I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to come back next week after Game Freak announces they're going to be providing a major patch to fix all of these terribly graphical bugs. And then I'd come up here and say, all right, everyone, I was wrong. Oh, darn. So we'll have to wait and see how this goes. And in the end, all I can really say is, you know, vote with your wallet. You're kind of on the fence about the game, but you're not too thrilled with all these glitches, then don't. You already have it and it's just too unplayable for you. Someone in chat saying there's already a wave of refunds going on. Get in on it. Unfortunately, I already bought mine. And uh, I mean, the sad thing is, is that Pokemon is still a huge franchise and I'm still going to end up streaming it just because, well, in the streaming world, if you buy a game, you stream it and that's how you make your money back. In my case, I'll be streaming for a while to make my money back because I'm not a very big streamer. But needless to say, we'll be keeping an eye on how things develop within Scarlet and Violet. And now for something completely different. Intel has been noticing the problem of deepfakes. What's a deepfake? A deepfake is a visual effect in which you use AI and other computer algorithms. You know, the, the, everyone's favorite words nowadays, algorithms and AI. Ah, yes. Oh, and machine learning. Can't forget machine learning even though they're all almost the exact same meanings now, but I digress. To use all of them to digitally replace a face on an actor with another face. And when I say actor, that is just the terminology used in the software. So like, let's say I want to go ahead and uh, for whatever reason, uh, put Donald Trump's face on top of Vladimir Putin for either nefarious purposes or stupid purposes. If it's done well enough, it could trick people into believing something that is not true. Well, fortunately, Intel has a solution. Intel has a deep fake detector that is 96% accurate. The way it is working, which I think was a poor decision on Intel's part to mention, but we'll get into why, is because the color in a person's face changes in a way when it's natural versus when it's artificially done by deep faking software. Mostly having to do with about the pores and the way the blood flows underneath the skin and that sort of thing. It is able to detect whether it's, whether it's showing those little minute details accurately or artificially. Ladies and gentlemen, we can also finally detect those terrible Wombo AI <laughs> deep faking nonsense that's going around on Twitter. Honestly, from like a world news sort sort of point of view and global po politics sort of area, this is actually really important. It really is because it is w 
it is you're getting closer and closer especially as software to mimic voices is getting closer and closer to being real to just make videos that just make stuff up and that could be used to rather terrifying effects someone in chat says i would love to know in which i would love to know a in which directions the inaccuracies are false positives and false negatives b would love to see how that varies with darker skin colors i actually would too i'm actually very curious as far as how it would go through with um for people with darker skin complexions if it's actually going through and checking that sort of thing i would assume with a 96 percent accuracy that you know a good chunk of them are with darker skin complexions whether it be you know middle eastern african-american or whatever i would assume the four percent would be very low quality video where it couldn't see those details at all but getting back to uh, the chatter's point would love to see how that varies for darker skin colors and for lighter skin colors because my chat just shifted because of most tech is trained almost exclusively on lighter skin tones well tech fields are most most mostly um caucasian thanks thanks to yeah 96 percent based on what though if the train sets is based on mostly lighter skin colors then it's not really informative also true although that being said most people that work on this stuff in intel it's actually kind of interesting most of these labs are actually in oh you know that's the silicon i actually don't know where these labs are i was gonna say the actual chip research was actually in the middle east in israel specifically but no that's just the that's just their chip fabs or one of their chip fads that, that was shown i actually don't know where this was does it actually say the fact is called the fake catcher able to clock a deep fake video 96 percent of the time intel announced that the, that the deep that the fake catcher can operate in real time to defect further claim, claim it's the first of its kind in the world and apparently is a 96 percent fake trace to, detecting fake likeness collects da data subtle blood flows mechanics in the person's face I learned da, 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 da. fake catcher was developed by the Intel researcher Ike. I hope I L K E Ike Demir and Umer Sift I'm so sorry. There's I had no prayer of pronouncing these names correctly. I am so sorry to these develop to these researchers from the State University of New York in in Binghamton. I'm this is not my day. Can you tell? using intel tech i am very quickly trying to skim through this because the unfortunate thing is i had this all prepped yesterday and then we're like working with this like a full 36 hours after i finished this prep it does not mention in this particular article regarding skin tones he says skimming it again just through yeah someone in chat there's technical difficulties going on eagle's brain uh press control alt delete while we reboot yeah really It'll be interesting to see how this develops onward. I'm hoping that we'll see more articles about this, especially as deep fakes begin to evolve more and more. Now, granted, a lot of that, um, a lot of that sort of things, they probably don't want to talk about it too much because those are developing deep fakes for nefarious purposes would uh want to feel like oh they're detecting because of this oh we can just tweak this and get around that at the same time we are very very curious all right let's shift gears radically and talk about the rtx 4080 the rtx 4080 is out and don't worry there's only one of them this time yes if you recall the rtx 4080 
in fact had it had two versions when it first started you had the 4080 with what was it 12 gigs of ram and then another that had eight gigs of ram i've now completely forgotten what the ram amounts are was it 16 and 12 i'm actually trying like trying to go through the information as shown here just to find what the ram amount is it was 16 and 12 because the because the, the 4080 now has 16. So the 4080 now has 16 gigs of RAM. There is no longer a 4080 with only 12 gigs of RAM. That will most likely become the 4070 benchmark or the 40, the RTX 40 or 4070. Yeah. So what is the good news about this GPU? Well, here's what we do know. The GPU is a bit faster than the 3080 Ti by a decent amount. The power draw is actually lower than what it originally said at roughly, I actually don't have the article that actually said that's power draw. Well, that's on me. The power draw was about 220, if I'm not mistaken. I think it actually might be higher. Maybe 280? All right, here we go. 251 watts is what we're seeing on the 4080, which is way lower than the original 320 we were expecting at first. So, you know, from the point of view of setting fire to your rig, good news bad news it is still using the 12 volt high power connector we'll get to that high power connector in a bit for those who don't remember the high power connector is the new 12 pin connector that the 4090 uses and we've already had a couple of instances of this connector melting on your 1600 gpu by the way um the the 4080 has a big problem with it it's the fact that it starts at 1200 1200 the tier of gpu that had uh, usually been anywhere usually starting at the 500 mark then crept up to 550 then 600 then close to a thousand and then down to supposedly 700 during the 3000 series went all the way back up to 1200 Someone in chat asked, didn't Gamers Nexus talk about the possible cause? We're getting there. We're getting there. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to talk about that because I have thoughts. I'm not going to lie. The price of this card is insane. And you can say, well, I mean, technically, if you look at the performance per dollar compared to the last generation, you're actually getting way more GPU for the dollar. Uh, yes, it's true. Performance per dollar. This is an improving card. Here's my counterpoint. What's the point of technically better performance per dollar if the GPU costs more than half the build? Like I'd say when people talk about a high-end gaming rig, usually their expected budget is two grand and they end up having to save for a while to make that two grand budget possible. Like realistically, that's what it comes down to. After all that time of saving, after all that time of setting aside money, going ahead, skipping that coffee, trying to save up, save up, save up, save up, while also not putting yourself in any sort of financial danger, do you really want to cheap out on everything else in the, in the case? Because NVIDIA decided that because they got away with obscene price gouging during the 3000 series, during the GPU shortage, that we're going to go ahead and jack up the price by several hundred dollars yeah sure it's technically more performance per dollar but after years upon years upon years upon years 
of the price staying relatively the same and just getting that performance, I should be okay with this kind of price hike just because it's technically more performance per dollar? No, absolutely not. And this is for one main reason. I cannot wait to see how hard AMD is gonna hit back and what it's gonna do to the GPU market. I have, I am, I have high hopes that AMD is gonna be able to hit Nvidia back. And I'm hoping it is gonna be a hard hit back. Now, of course, a lot of people had the same mentality as I did, that the RTX 4080 is too expensive. Yeah, they all sold out within an hour anyway. <sighs> so at first I thought, well, I guess we haven't learned anything. I guess gamers are just gonna go ahead, spend however, however the heck much they want, get their hands in the cards and be like, oh man, I got the latest and greatest, oh boy. <laughs> you wanna know a secret? You know what you're seeing a lot of again? Can you guess? Can you guess what you're seeing a lot of again on Amazon and eBay? Again, starts with an S, rhymes with alping. There you go, scalping, yay, we did it, yep. You are seeing all of these GPUs, including the 4090s, hitting eBay and Amazon for roughly 100% markup. Yay. Folks, do me a favor. Do not under any circumstances buy these scalp GPUs. Because here's one thing the scalpers didn't count on. All right. You know what they didn't count on? That Ethereum mining is dead. There's no GPU mining going on. Ethereum went to proof of stake. The forks of Ethereum that tried to use proof of work, AKA GPU mining is not catching on. No one underline, no one is talking about how much money can be made by mining with these GPUs. And you know what else is helping with that? Our good buds over at FTX. Cause all of a sudden the value of cryptocurrency is going through the floor has now literally everyone is looking at cryptocurrency and going, hmm, that's a lot of fraud that just happened there, huh? That's a lot of billions of dollars of people's wealth, poof, into thin air. And that's not helping the value of cryptocurrency at all. It's quite possible that these RTX 4000 cards are insane cryptocurrency miners. But when the crypto that you're mining is not worth very much because no one wants to invest in crypto very much because Everyone continues to talk about FTX and the fraud and how much people just lost billions upon billions of dollars in the crypto market because as it turns out, buying a whole bunch of a fictional token where its only value is based on blind faith isn't exactly a great investment strategy. All of a sudden people are realizing that thing I've been saying for years. Wow, what are the freaking odds? Man. Feels good being right. Even though I've known it for, you know, years. So these scalpers are not gonna find the same boon they did last time. Cause the main reason scalping worked so well with the 3000 series is cause A, there was a shortage of them. So buying up all of them was very easy. B, no one, underline, no one could buy them. Because of course, a lot of people were, you know, working less. And then three, the only people who could buy them were the cryptocurrency miners who could buy it at an inflated price and just use them to mine and make that money back. So therefore, the rest of, so you know, they were just like, eh, whatever. We can just go ahead and uh, make up anything we want. We can just 
and sell a RTX 3090 for uh, $4,000, $5,000, whatever, it doesn't matter. The crypto miner will buy it and make back that 9000 in a couple months. So therefore, us gamers, there's nothing we could do. Whee! Not so much now, huh? Funny how that works, huh? But of course, the other elephant in the room when it comes to the RTX 4000 series is that funny little 16-pin connector, or I'm sorry, 12-pin connector. Yes, the... um. The 12-volt high-power connector. You see, there was a lot of cases going around about how people who went ahead and had the money to buy an RTX 4090 that they totally could have donated to my cause here, you know, Judge Wink Wink, um, all of a sudden had these GPUs melting. Hmm, that's not something you want. You don't want to go ahead and buy a, a $1,500 GPU or a $2,000 GPU and uh, have the risk of a house fire. Well... A bunch of lawyers agreed. And there is in fact a class action lawsuit hitting NVIDIA regarding these adapters. But here's the funny part, all right? A lot of people were trying to go ahead and find, find out exactly what is causing it. Because we know people have just went and said, oh, I found it melting. There's this other guy who said it's melting. <gasps> What's going on? I don't want my computer to catch fire. What's going on? And a lot of tech YouTubers have tried to recreate the issue and try to figure out what's going on. Igor's lab thought they figured it out in regarding to the construction of the actual connector. We reported on that, that there is one generation that was really bad, another generation that's supposed to be really good. Well, one man had figured it out. One tech man had figured it out, who also has a small team of other tech men behind him. But our Lord and Savior, Tech Jesus, a.k.a. Gamer Steve from Gamers Nexus, had got two of these adapters to melt. One being the supposed bad one, and one being the supposed good one. Through their own analysis and what they sent over to NVIDIA, it appears the cause is done by a loose connection. The problem with this connector is because it's so fragile. Remember, this standard of connector is only able to be inserted and disconnected 30 times according to its rating, which for some reason is somehow still considered fine. I don't know how that's considered fine, but it's still somehow considered fine. They're saying potentially debris could get in or what more likely happened is the connector was not inserted all the way despite the fact the connector felt like it was in all the way. This connector, because it is so long and the locking pin is so far back, can feel like a solid connection, but is actually not. And on top of that, because the mechanisms for it are so small, the actual click to know that it is locked may be inaudible. You know, just to go ahead and uh, really give you that extra security of whether you are or aren't, you know, having a problem. And what's even better, the flaw is in the standard itself, not NVIDIA's adapter. According to the reports, even the third-party connectors from, say, cable mod and whatnot can still suffer from this problem, and the loose connector would be made, would be exacerbated if the cable had to be bent in any sort of awkward way. You know, like if it was a giant oversized triples card that 
extended almost all the way up to the glass and the connector was on the side of the GPU for some stupid reason. Yeah, there's actually quite a few um, NVIDIA fanboys on Twitter I've seen trying to defend this connector and saying, that's a user issue, don't worry about it. It's all been solved, it's a user issue. It's not NVIDIA's fault, it's a user issue. Dude, no. I mean, granted, this isn't an NVIDIA issue either. It's more of the people who came up with the standard, which NVIDIA was part of, but also every single body that's involved with this, which I wanna say was Intel, I think AMD had a hand in this as well. NVIDIA definitely had a hand in it. I think there was some other, uh, like whoever's in charge of the ATX standard sort of thing. I forgot who's all involved with this connector, but really it's just like this connector was not very well thought out. You know, kind of how long, long ago there was standard X and standard Y and then standard X dies off. Like, uh, ooh, dual layer DVDs versus Blu-ray. Or was it HD? DVD versus Blu-ray, what was going to win out? And it turned out that uh, Blu-ray won out because it was a superior technology. Yeah, we need a better technology than uh, what this is because this design is not sufficient. I'm sorry, it's just not. Is it safe to use in a case? Yes, this is a safe connector, but, but you need to be careful and be sure with it. Plan the build out. Don't just be like, oh man, card flip flop, done. Just be careful. I mean, that being said, um, not gonna lie, uh, a spokesperson from AMD had quite possibly the best uh, comment to all of this, telling us to stay safe this holiday season and showing us the tail end of one of their AMD, one of their new AMD Radeon cards with dual standard easily locking eight pins. I mean, it's it's kind of hard for me to, to not chuckle at that. That being said, all the replies to this tweet are, uh, mm, some very, very, very sweet, sweet, sweet NVIDIA fanboydom going on there. Mm, that is some good, good, good tears. <laughs> Chat's just going copium, so much copium. <laughs> Maximum copium. Let's go ahead and take a break ourselves before we need some copium. And when we get back, we have to talk about the fact that Apple has been lying to us about not tracking things. Oh boy. This podcast is sponsored by Factor 75. If you want to go ahead and save money on this fantastic little meal plan, use my link or go to gofactor 75 dot com and use the code factor se seven seven two seven for sixty percent off your first box. You can find my link in the description of this podcast. If you're wondering what the heck it is, well, let's be perfectly honest. Right now, it's the holiday season. We're gonna be putting on a lot of weight as we're celebrating Thanksgiving, Xmas, or whatever the holiday may be, and well. Factor makes trying to get back on a diet very, very easy. And Lord knows with the amount of stuff I've been doing in my life, I have been looking for a much, much easier way to go about it. And Factor goes ahead and using what they have from their other side, their other business, HelloFresh, ship you pre, pre-cooked, pre pre-prepared meals. And all you got to do is just reheat them. 
I actually got my got a hold of mine. I have been re reheating them in the oven, and it has actually been it's been pretty good. Not gonna lie, it has been fantastic. Also, they updated their packaging, at least in my area. The um the insulation they put on their box it is actually very impressive since the last time I used HelloFresh. Like a very thick, like almost like a cardboard like insulation sort of thing going on. Very very impressive. Well, they just go ahead, send it to you an insulated box, ice packs, everything can stay in the fridge for up to seven days. And go ahead, just follow their menus, tell it exactly what kind of diet plan you're staying on, whether it be keto, vegan, vegetarian, or just hardcore calorie counting. But don't eat the box. Someone in chat says, I ha I've been having too many disasters in my life. It sounds like you need more. No, no, I don't. So like I said, go ahead, use my link or go to factor75.com and use the code factor se7727 for 60% off your first box and about 30% off your other two boxes. But my notes don't say to do that, but mine totally did. Shh, my secret to you. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Apple, yay. Maybe I shouldn't have picked such a nice, peaceful thing, but I just wanted to hear Amatsu for once today. Apple is tracking you even when they say they're not. You wanna know why? It's actually very simple. You see the privacy settings will, according to research now done, will in fact prevent third parties from tracking your data, but it does not apply to their own applications. Wow, incredible. So the phone that had a very good marketing strategy going, saying that they're the privacy phone. No one can get in your phone unless they have your password, which by the way, in the used market is an absolute nightmare. I actually cannot tell you how many iPhones and iPads I have been sit seeing on pallets that came from leases that no one can sell because the company that leased them forgot to remove their passwords. Like that's how, how lock solid the security is. There's no third party tool to just remove the passwords. So for the company to go ahead and say privacy is key, we won't, everything's stored on the phone. We won't track anything. To have this black eye is kind of concerning. Now the data that's being tracked isn't, I mean, is it really anything new? Oh, look, you really liked, uh, I don't know, Genshin Impact. We're gonna go ahead and suggest more games like Genshin Impact to you. Wee. It's, it's like ad collection data like that. I mean, it's, it's nothing like super, super invasive. It's not like the weird, and I'm not gonna lie, it is still off-putting every single time if you ever get a brand new Android phone. It's still really off-putting to get those notifications saying, hey, we just noticed you were at this one place. How was it? You wanna tell us, huh? Uh-huh. 
Like, you know the phone tracks you like that. It's still weird to see the notifications like that. It's very off-putting. And like, even though I know the phone does it, seeing it actually do it is just... Ugh, ugh. And then you go and turn those notifications off so you can try and think you live more peacefully or you just grow numb to them. So yeah, it's... I'm shocked, but I'm not surprised. And we were kind of talking during the break how um, kind of the mentality we've kind of gotten from every single tech company like obviously we we all assume if meta says anything we just assume they're lying and so far that's been absolutely correct the metaverse is going to be the future well that was a nice lie wasn't it the metaverse is going to be the peak technology yeah that was a great lie huh look at how great the metaverse looks yeah great lie we don't track your data here on facebook mm -hmm. good lie good lie good stuff good stuff apple is usually just like you usually don't see them lie like this Apple, what you normally see is them just omitting information. How much faster is that new M2 chip? Oh, it's a uh, 1.6x faster compared to what? It's just 1.6x faster. Okay, how'd you get that number? Look, it's just 1.6x faster. Like that's the kind of lie we get from Apple usually. It's the lack of information, the manipulation of information that has just been kind of, it's technically correct, but we're not showing you the asterisk. Or if you, um, someone in chat says Facebook lies like a politician. I will disagree with that. A politician is good at lying. Facebook is not. That's my only argument there. <laughs> Any, <laughs> anyway, but that's kind of the, it's kind of surprising to see just Apple just blatantly not being transparent about this. And I'm willing to bet, give this a couple of weeks because Apple is going to be slow to respond to this. Give it two weeks and I'm willing to bet they're going to have a new asterisk on their website and probably just mention something like, look, we have to collect data on our users when it comes to the app store for quality purposes. We want your experience on the app store to be of the best of quality. The fact that that quality means that we want to sell you more ads is beyond the point. And also let's also be perfectly honest. Are we really surprised that Apple wants to track more and more data as they're kind of transitioning more away from a hardware company and trying to be a software subscription company that also sells you the hardware? Are you surprised? I'm not. I'll tell you what I was actually surprised by on the whole note of trying to transition more and more to these subscription models. I thought Apple TV Plus was only on the Apple TV. I thought the Apple TV subscription was only available on the Apple TV hardware. It's not. It is at the very least also on Roku. I was completely caught off guard by that. And I think you're going to see this more and more. That more and more of these like subscription things they're trying to offer are going to be on more and more platforms. Would you really be surprised at all if Apple Health suddenly came to Android so they could sell you a subscription to, to Apple Fitness Plus? Because they already figured if you have a, if you have an Android phone, you already got it because you're fearful of the iPhone. You're afraid of switching. They're trying their best, but man, they can't get you to get off that iPhone to save them or off that Android phone to save you. Well, fine. We'll get money of you another way. Let's bring iTunes over like we did with, with Windows. Let's bring Apple Music over. Let's bring Apple TV over. Let's bring Apple Fitness over. We haven't seen it yet, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see this move in two or three years. It would not surprise me in the least. 
and I do think that this whole thing about them gathering personal information for better pitches is all part of this move, trying to become more and more software focused. I mean, heck, we're already seeing them trying to make an entire operating system for a car. Maybe not actually making the car, but it's like what the new Apple car, the new Apple car OS actually now takes place, takes the place of the gauge cluster and whatnot too. I guess we'll never see that in Tesla then because they don't have a gauge cluster. Yes, I am still salty about that. And actually, while we're on the subject, I actually didn't plan on this at all. But speaking of Tesla semis or in Tesla cars, or well, I didn't mention Tesla semis, but Tesla actually is saying they are going to have the semi delivery event on December 1st. <laughs> <laughs> oh really really you're, you're you think you're that ready you think you're that ready oh man i gotta get some popcorn this is this is gonna be good so for those who don't know why i'm laughing all right first off a little bit about my background all right i work in logistics i actually know a lot about the operations of otr trucks or over the road trucks whether they be straight trucks, which I have driven, hotshot trucks, which I have driven a hotshot truck once, but never over the road, delivery vans, actual semi trucks, the whole nine yards. I know a lot about this field. The Tesla semi has a lot of problems they have yet to answer. One is in fact, why is the seat in the middle? They are still only installing one seat into the semi truck and it is in the middle of the truck when every single truck driver has trained to either be on the left or right hand side of the truck, depending on their drive market. Two, and we actually do see this solution now, they tried to say they weren't gonna have mirrors and instead opt for cameras, even though legally you cannot have a commercial vehicle with just cameras. You have to have rear view mirrors. The picture they're showing of the semi truck now does have actually very international style mirrors. Those actually might just be straight from an international uh, L, uh, LH now that I'm looking at them. And three, and this is, the, this is one of the biggest things. This truck is as big as a sleeper cab, meaning that behind the driver's seat, there is a TV, a bed, a microwave, a refrigerator, pretty much an entire little six foot apartment that the trucker will live in for weeks to months at a time as they're going from stop to stop to stop. That's what over the road means. That means you barely get home. And when you do, it's for like a week at a time. There's no sleeper in this truck, despite the fact that it is the size of a sleeper truck. And three or four, the range. They're trying to say this sucker will get 500 miles on a charge, but they're not saying what the weight is gonna be. They're not gonna say how they're gonna go ahead and have this thing survive the cold because when you're out cold the battery holds less of a charge and the range is going to be a huge problem so i'm waiting to see how this is going to go down and the weight is going to be a far bigger issue than people want to admit keep this in mind a normal a normal truck weighs about thirty-three thousand pounds trailer usually varies but it's usually about another couple tons i actually don't know what the exact weight is of a of a semi-truck trailer off the top of my head but you know, it's, it's up there. It could be several tons. Legally, you can only haul on US roads, 40 tons, 80,000 pounds 
if this truck weighs more than the average semi, it is going to be a very, very hard sell. The other big question is also the infrastructure. Because you can say, oh man, we can go ahead and just take a little bit of longer break and just charge that and just charge it during your mandatory break. Because a trucker needs to take a mandatory one hour break during their 11 hours of driving. So, okay, just take two hours and charge a bit more during that. Where the heck are you going to charge it? There's no charging stations at semis at truck stops right now. Most of the superchargers for Tesla are just a couple of, are just like, a dozen or two spots at the back of a grocery store parking lot. There's no place to charge something like this. So I, for one, as someone who is very knowledgeable in the logistics industry, am going to be watching this December 1st semi-delivery event very, very closely and chuckling the entire time. Get some popcorn ready because this is going to be good. Someone in chat says that semis are not always at full weight. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Y yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, like, only a handful are just like, oh, yeah, we couldn't book enough of a load to put you at full capacity. You know what, people? You know what companies that don't have a, have a fully loaded 80,000-pound truck are called? Failures. That means you had capacity and you didn't fill it. Someone in chat says Swift. No, I guarantee you, Swift puts their stuff at maximum capacity every time. What they don't do is train the driver on how to handle a maximum capacity truck. There's a difference. No, there's a reason why Swift is still around and it can handle the handle the cost of a uh, of a uh, truck accident so often. It's because they pay their drivers very very little and maximize every single load. They're like the Amazon of trucking before Amazon was cool. It's actually very horrifying and sad anyway let's talk about google speaking going back to our whole privacy topic um google has had a lawsuit going with various states regarding privacy and well they have went ahead and uh decided to settle with 40 states through 40 different state attorney generals in which the company misled users about location tracking. So how much did Google pay? $392 million. You know, honestly, if I was Google and had the kind of money that, uh, that Google had, yeah, I, I, th I think I'd just settle for, uh, for the, for the just shy of 400 million too. That's what 10 million for each state. That's like chump change all around. That's like chump change for the States. And that's chump change for Google too. This is literally just like a cost of business sort of thing going on here yeah everyone in chat is just like yeah oh yeah i should say that's yeah it's less than 10 million per state i could do the math of how much it actually is per state but let's just round it up and say it is 10 million per state that's still nothing that's still nothing compared to like most of these state budget budgets and just shy of 400 million for google is also just yeah win 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 for google there but if you want to know how much you have to pay in order to get away with uh, stealing information and not having a problem, it's about that much. About oh, 400 mil. Meanwhile, Meta has a problem. You see, Meta is unfortunately a very bad system. And by Meta, I mean Facebook. You know, ju just in case you forgot. Meta is the parent company of Facebook, even though Meta is still 
it's it's Facebook. Actually, maybe we should differentiate the two. Facebook at least seemed a little smarter than Meta. I don't know, Meta just seems to have gotten dumber in its age. But in any case, Meta has a problem because small business pages are being the hacked. So what is Meta doing to help these small independent business owners after they get hacked? It boots them off Facebook. <laughs> Chat predicted nothing. I wish they did nothing. Nothing would have been better. <laughs> just straight up, just kicks them off Facebook. And right before one of the most critical points for a lot of small retail businesses, let's be perfectly honest, a lot of small business owners that do retail, they have been suffering big these last two years. This is arguably one of the first years where they can open up their doors and operate like they were before the virus TM. So now they have the chance to go out, go out onto the wide web on Facebook itself. But if they were hacked, they're just gone and all and their entire followership with it. As a small business owner myself, I, I just, what, what do you say to this? Fortunately, we don't use our Facebook account nearly as much as we should. But for many of them, I could just see this being mortifying. I mean, I announced specials and whatnot we got going on on Facebook and, and such, but God dang, this is just like, this is awful. I don't know how Meta can look at themselves and say, yep, this is perfectly fine. Absolutely perfectly fine. Now, while small businesses are taking a big hit here, other bigger companies have taken on a new fad, that of laying off. We've already seen Twitter lay off a large chunk of their staff. We'll get to updates on that later on in the podcast today, because, man, there's some, there's some things to talk about regarding that. Whew. But Apple wanted to get on, on the fun. However, Apple took a more conservative approach. Rather than laying off a large chunk of people, they instead decided to just put on a hiring freeze. Are we surprised? Not really. It is nice to see that it is just a hiring freeze, and nowhere near as bad as say, oh, I don't know, Amazon laying off 10,000 people right before the, uh, right before the holiday season. Hmm. Uh, that's a, that's kind of a big yikes. I'm not going to lie. 10,000 employees. Now, granted, these employees are mostly in the product development categories. So I'd assume the categories that go ahead and make things like the terrible Amazon basic, uh, goods that, that range either from absolutely terrible to good enough. So I guess that means we're not going to see a new internal in-home spy device that can't answer what's two plus two. I don't think I've gotten an echo to, uh, to incorrectly answer two plus two yet, but man, if I got an echo to answer just about every other question incorrectly, it has been very, very impressive, but you know, in a move that that seemed pretty tone deaf, and to remind us that uh, Jeff Bezos could instead be in charge of Amazon, but isn't. Uh, Jeff Bezos has said that he will give most of his money to charity. You know, Bezos. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about this great charity I just heard about. It involves about 10 million people. Or I'm sorry, 10,000 people. All right. About 10,000 people. You see, they worked for this, uh, this very small company that uh, is having going through some problems. It's called Amazon. You might have heard about it. And they just soullessly cut off like 10,000 people. Their livelihoods turned upside down right before the holiday season. They won't be able to go ahead 
and get that holiday ham or that amazing Thanksgiving turkey. They're going to have to go ahead and go to food shelters. You could donate to the charity cause that is the laid off of Amazon. Can you talk more about a story that could be any more tone deaf? Oh, man. The jokes just write themselves. And admittedly, unlike most of tech media, I acknowledge Jeff Bezos is not involved with Amazon anymore other than holding stock in it. All right. Everyone likes to conveniently forget that, that Jeff Bezos is no longer the CEO of Amazon. That being said, Jeff Bezos, let me tell you. Let me tell you about a venture you were, per, 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 you were previously involved with and could need your help. I mean, look at that. They're laying off 10,000 people. They're in dire straits, man. Right? Right? Uh, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, let's talk about NFTs and FTX. This is going to be good. We'll be back. Welcome back, you guys on tech. Welcome back, you guys on tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. I totally didn't just forget that we don't have auto ducking uh, enabled there for a minute. I didn't forget that at all, totally. All right, so we're gonna talk about cryptocurrency. Ah, uh, yes, everyone's favorite. So first up, I wanna talk about NFTs. Oh boy, NFTs. Such amazing, amazing things NFTs are. For you see, one day they're worth 1.31 million. The next, they're worth apparently only $74,382, according to Watcher Guru. An NFT, a Bored Ape NFT that was bought by Justin Bieber in January for 1.3 million is now worth only 74K. I would actually dare argue this. An NFT that Justin Bieber bought in January was bought for 1.3 million. It is now worth zero because anything like this does not have any value until you find a buyer willing to pay for it. And this has always been one thing that's, that has driven me nuts about the NFT market because they want to say like, oh, this is worth this much, that much. Well, what says it? This algorithm. The algorithm that I can totally cheat says it's worth this much. Who's willing to pay that? Other people because the algorithm says it is. Oh, so you're tricking people into buying your thing, which, by the way, is not even a picture. It is a receipt, a certificate, a digital receipt that says you own this picture that's hosted somewhere else, but not actually hosted by you. So if that other host company ever goes away, you have a certificate to nothing. But you can see this more and more. The crypto market is collapsing in on itself. And of course, the biggest problem in it all is, well, FTX. FTX, we talked about it last week, about their very sudden collapse and bankruptcy. And this was caused by financial mis mishandling by both FTX and the other company they were also associated with, which I couldn't remember at the time, but I do remember now, it is Alameda Research. The Alameda Research... CEO being the girlfriend of the CEO of FTX. By the by, the FTX CEO is a very fascinating character. 
in the fact that most of the media seems to want to go ahead and talk about any of the positive aspects about him rather than talk about how he just mishandled the finances of thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people end up losing over a billion dollars worth of crypto. And in fact, this, this entire thing within the crypto world is actually having a major ripple effect, like how people of other centralized exchanges like Binance are withdrawing a large amount of crypto. In fact, $1.35 billion worth of crypto was withdrawn from Binance, the next biggest crypto exchange. I actually think Binance is actually technically bigger than FTX. I want to say they were rivaling for one and two. As everyone remembers, hey, you know how uh, banks have that FDIC protection? Yeah, crypto doesn't. Yeah, crypto doesn't have a whole lot of any kind of regulation or any kind of protections. In fact, it is all just one giant scheme of trying to have people buy digital tokens that are only worth what blind faith says they're worth. And that is one thing I want all of you to remember. The only thing giving any kind of crypto its value is blind faith. That's it. There may be a website that tells you it's worth this much, but it's only based on that information off what someone else was willing to pay for that token. There is no governmental body backing Bitcoin. There is no anything backing the value of any of these cryptos. Now, there are governments that are putting their faith in Bitcoin, but they are not actually throwing anything behind Bitcoin to maintain its value. Also, those companies are having a bad time. Are those companies, countries? Did I say companies before? I meant countries. So you're seeing more and more people trying to get away, as far away as possible from this sort of thing. You're seeing that in the, FT, in the NFT market as well. So where does this bring the rest of the crypto world in? Well, for starters, there is now federal investigations in the actions of the FTX CEO, who I can't remember the name of him off the top of my head at this time. But the fact that everyone's trying to just not talk about the fact that this guy, both the CEO of Alamega Research and the CEO of FTX, just poof, vanish, gone, trying to run away as fast as they can, isn't helping anything at all. And uh, let me tell you, the rest of the crypto exchange business is trying to do everything they can for damage control. You had FTX shut down, vanish overnight. I don't even know the same is not going to happen to us. It's a big concern. Well, don't worry, because Binance and Crypto.com had a uh, very good Ask Me Anything involving the fall of FTX. And they said pretty much ex exactly what you'd expect. It's like, don't worry, we handle everything just fine. Everything's fine. Everything involving FTX was just a, a simple, you know, failure of the way that that particular CEO managed where we are rock solid. There is no reason to not believe that crypto definitely, definitely has a future. I'll be perfectly honest. I have no idea how much my crypto wallet is worth right now. What is my crypto wallet worth right now? I haven't checked it in like half a year. Let's take a look real quick. All right. $29.48. It started at a hundred. That's the key with anything like that. Never invest more than what you're willing to lose. Whoops. What's actually most of that value in now that I think about it? Is it actually in Ethereum or in Bitcoin? 
Yeah, I think most of that loss was actually in Bitcoin. Dude, it's down to 14K. This is, it used to be at 40. Crazy, man. It's crazy. It's amazing how with nothing backing it, the price can just go wherever the heck. It just feels like it. So that's what everyone else is doing. So how bad was everything being handled at FCX? Well, let me tell you. For starters, some of the line item expenses in the books were just listed with an emoji. The supposed world's most friendly billionaire had rented multiple penthouses and the accounting is just considered, quote, slipshod at best, according to CNBC. Now, one note they're actually saying here is that Alameda Research was granted an exception for certain parts of FTX's auto auto liquidation feature, similar to a margin call in traditional finance. And you know what's even better? Former Enron CEO is saying that these practices are unacceptable. When the gold standard of corporate collapse tells you you messed up, you messed up. It is very impressive. So needless to say, it's not exactly a mystery as to why FTX went under, nor is it a mystery why Binance ended up turning down trying to buy FTX. Remember, uh, before this all happened, Binance was in talks to actually buy FTX. They backed down. Gee, I wonder why. We'll never figure it out. I mean, how, how could you ever? There's just nothing to go with. So where is the CEO? Or I'm glad we got this far and now I finally have the name of the CEO in, in front of me, Sam Bankman Fried. Where is Sam Bankman Fried now? Well, this I find hilarious. Remember how we said last week that it looked like there was some evidence saying that uh, Sam was trying to flee the country? Well, it turns out the rest of FTX is ratting him out, telling the court that it has evidence that Sam Bankman-Fried has transferred assets to the Bahamas government after the bankruptcy. Whoops. So, looks pretty likely that um, he's trying to flee to the Bahamas. I mean, I can't fault the guy. If I was trying to run somewhere, I would want to go ahead and uh, try to pick someplace that was, you know, amazing to stay at. I mean, what would you rather do? You want to go and hide in Siberia? No. You want to go hide in uh, the nor the most northern part of Alaska? Probably not. Actually, honestly, the northern part of Alaska, considering how few people are up there, you might just end up being like noted out as being the stranger that just moved in. Bahamas? Peak tourism trap there. Oh, who's that guy? Yeah, probably some tourist. Who knows? Who cares? Not the worst plan in the world. Someone in chat says, hide in Horizon World. No one will find you. Not the worst plan in the world. You know, if only you had to still physically be somewhere. Pretty sure if I had to hide and they just found me in my bedroom playing Horizon World, it would uh, look pretty silly. I'm just saying. So at this point, what do we know? The notion of a uncentralized currency needing a centralized exchange for you to keep your uncentralized money in, in the end is really, really silly. There's just no other way to look at it. All right. I think FTX will go down as a cautionary tale. Will cryptocurrency recover from this? As much as I hate to say it, it 
probably will. Will it ever go back to the original dream that it started as? A decentralized currency that could be used as a normal currency rather than a means to become a get-rich-quick scheme. I don't know. In the end, the community of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies just, it doesn't care. For the most part, the cryptocurrency community is worried about this, but they're continuing to just basically huff their copium, continue to just say, well, everything's fine. It's not going to happen to me. I don't invest in shady stuff like that. As they go ahead and fall for the 20th rug pull of the week. No, 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 I'm telling you, this one isn't a rug pull. And then, oh my, it's, it's rug pull, man. Heck, another streamer was just caught recently trying to push a crypto scam. And then with the people he was trying to push it with, got caught on a hot mic. I don't know how so many streamers get caught on a hot mic with something like that. Come on, man. It's, it's not hard. Look at your mixer. Is the mute button on? Or better yet, seeing as how a lot of you don't actually go ahead and get mixers like I got. Look at your USB mic. Is the red ring on? If yes, you're muted. If no, you're not. Wow. <sighs> I just don't get how so many other streamers are just so much less professional. I mean, here's also the first step in being a professional streamer. Don't push a scam. Wow. Maybe, just maybe, before you go ahead and promote anything, do some research into that thing you're promoting. Kind of like how I went ahead and did quite a lot of research before I accepted a sponsorship to Factor 75. Factor 75 is a dietary program that you can go ahead and get pre-prepped meals straight from them delivered to your door. All you gotta do when they get there, put them in your fridge, reheat them, they come in a nice, wonderful pre-insulated package, all you got to do, microwave them, or if you are anti-microwave like me, go ahead, reheat them in the oven or in your fancy cooking robot. I actually did do it in the sous vide robot. I feel like I was cheating because in the package, it says you need to cook it to an internal temperature of like 165. So I just set it to sous vide for two hours before I get home from 165. And it's just, man, that's delicious. <laughs> it feels like cheating. You can go ahead and use my link or go to go.factor75.com and use the code FACTORSE7727 for 60% off your first box. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Twitter. That's all you need to know. Twitter. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. You knew I was going to play this for this segment. You knew. We weren't sure at the time we're doing this. But you knew I was going to play it for this. The status of Twitter. Well, honestly, it actually has some good news to start with. But uh, that's where it's going to end. Because Twitter is, in fact, working on end-to-end -end encryption on DMs. They didn't have this? I'm, I'm more surprised they didn't have this. So, I mean, there's your... There. I, there, I found my positive thing to talk about with uh, Twitter. But um, I mean, there's a lot more terrible things. Like, for example, the fact that a senator is calling out Elon for the terrible handling of the checkmark situation last week. And 
Elon's first thing to do is immediately say, man, maybe the problem is you because your account sounds like a parody. The owner of Twitter, everyone. That's very, very confidence inspiring, especially as these same senators are trying to go ahead and have the FTC look into the way Twitter is functioning right now. Yeah, great job. That's that's a great plan. You know, for a guy that every single Elon fanboy wants to say that, oh, no, no, you don't understand, you know, Elon seems a little quirky sometimes, but he's an amazing businessman. He's an amazing businessman. Give me an example. Cause I'm willing to admit, okay, like maybe that, maybe this little thing and this little thing and all these little this and that's here were blown up portion before. Maybe, I mean, Tesla's economically doing pretty good. The boring company is existing. You know, SpaceX is still profitable, you know, for the most part, you know, maybe I've just been too hard on the guy. Maybe we're going to see that everything's going to be, oh, so perfect for Twitter. I don't know if it could have been worse. And in fact, the employment problem continues to get worse because in fact, after the layoff of something close to 4,000 employees, they then eliminated 4,400 to 5,500 of their subcontracted employees focusing on the quote content moderation and core infrastructure that keeps the site up and running mm-hmm and already we're starting to see some examples of this or at least I have just in the prepping of this because a lot of my sources have to come from Twitter in regard to Twitter because of course all news about Twitter is only on Twitter and if you try finding news outside of Twitter you find BS it is an infuriating conundrum and there's been quite a few times when you're going ahead and trying to find news about Twitter on Twitter that instead the tweet just is not found and you're worried when the fact that the tweet was deleted. When in fact it was not. You refresh and you refresh a couple of times and it reappears. That is not a good sign. Like, not at all. It just isn't. Oh, but Eagle, you're thinking too much about this. You see, laying off so many people about content moderation is necessary when you're trying to create a platform that is focused on freedom of speech. There is less moderation needed because you are being freedom of speech focused. And thus, many of these people that are needed for moderation are a lot less needed because, you know, everyone's welcome to speak their minds. From Elon Musk directly, tw new Twitter's policy is freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. Negative and hate tweets will be de-boosted and demonetized, so no ads from Twitter or other revenue. You won't find the tweet unless you specifically seek it out, which is no different from the rest of the internet. You can't hear it right now, but I'm slow clapping. Never before have I seen a stupider statement said, because for those of you who weren't following what the biggest gripes about freedom of speech were on Twitter, the biggest gripes about freedom of speech and censorship on Twitter is involving a technique called shadow banning. Shadow banning means that your account and your post, you don't know it, but its reach is intentionally thrown to the very, very bottom of the algorithm that almost no one could find it unless they tried to very specifically find your post. This was the biggest gripe that people had involving Twitter and freedom of speech. And this moron, there's no other way to say this says that they're going to be freedom of speech focused, but not freedom of reach. 
even though those two concepts go hand in hand. This would be like me saying, you are more than welcome to leave your home in the middle of the mountains, but you're not allowed to use your car. What's the point? I want this to be remembered. I really do. Because I go out and try to find these kind of arguments. I want to go ahead. And the truck driver in our chat just said, that's fine, I'll go use my truck. You know what I meant. I go out on my way to actually see all sides of an argument. I really do. Because I do want to, I don't want to become an echo chamber for just one point of view. I do try to, when it comes to information, see all points of view. And then I'll usually go, go and look at one point of view and say, wow, that's really stupid. I'm sorry, no matter how much you look at it, a Chromebook is not a good purchase. You may think it is because your school says it is, but it is absolutely not. No, but Elon is so, so, so pro freedom of speech. You know, he says that, but then right here he says, yeah, but um, if we don't, if for whatever reason we deem that your post is deemed negative or hate speech, and that's the thing, it's what, like hate speech kind of has like, it's a vague definition, but it has a definition. What is the definition for a negative tweet? Is me trying to inform you that purchasing a Chromebook versus say a used Windows machine from a local shop for roughly the same price is a better investment than buying a Chromebook? Is that considered negative because it's devaluing a Chromebook, which may or may not be a sponsor? Like that's some tricky wording there. And let's also talk about this from a business standpoint. Elon has scared away the overwhelming majority of their sponsors by saying, we are gonna be a freedom of speech platform and not giving any details as to how. So we already scared away the advertisers who are in a wait and see mode. And then very quietly, and you notice no one's talked about this. I'm willing to bet none of you heard about this until I just brought up this tweet and said it out loud. And then on the other side of his mouth, going ahead and saying, yeah, we're gonna be freedom of speech, but not really, no. Not at all, no, no, no. Pretty much everything I just said is, is hogwash, but we totally are, wink, wink. Congratulations, you flipped off both sides. You have now made it. So you have no one on your side, except for the dinguses that continue to think that you're absolutely brilliant for no adequately explored reason. And this is probably the biggest thing I wanna get across when it comes to the state of Twitter. It's the fact that it is blatantly obvious to anyone who has been watching this all unfold that there's no plan. Months upon months of stalling, trying to get into the deal, out of the deal, weasel it in this way, go over and have experts go over the code this way and that way. And what do we have? A site that is starting to have problems loading itself and contradicting messages about what our path forward is. <laughs> it's not good. There's no other way to say it. Oh, and by the way, just to add fuel to the fire, as far as Elon being a great manager over at Twitter, new reports from the inside say that employees who have criticized Elon Musk in Twitter's Slack channels were filed, I'm sorry, fired overnight in email. Saying that quote, we, are, we regret to inform you that your employment is terminated immediately. You will, your recent behavior has violated company policy. What great freedom of speech. Point out contradictions in the way the company's being operated. Lose your job. No warning. Bye. Lol. Uh, this isn't really helping the whole talk of 
freedom of speech, you know, speak your mind. But if it talks back about Elon, you're gone. It's not a good look for the company. And right now, considering most of Twitter's problem is in fact a PR problem, this is a big, big problem. It's just not great. Although on the whole thing about um, functionality, people did report on the 14th that in fact, Twitter SMS two-factor authentication uh, just didn't work. Whoops. Yeah, that's uh, great. Uh, it's apparently back now, but apparently some are still, in fact, facing issues. Now, there are still plans within Twitter. In fact, the $8 a month service, the Twitter Blue, will be relaunching on November 29th. This was put into a tweet, and the the whole point of this will be, yeah, we still don't know what it'll all include. We have no idea if Twitter Blue will still include the blue verified check mark. I would hope it doesn't, as I would hope Elon has learned a valuable lesson in the value of these crazy things called verified accounts. <sighs> I mean, after some, some stock prices actually took significant hits because trolls went ahead and used this. Someone in, chat, someone, someone in chat actually asked, can I crash the economy again for $8? That's a very good question. I would assume not. I would assume Wall Street has learned their lesson. But what do I know? I'm just a guy behind a microphone that uh, all I can do is just shake his head at all of this. I'm cur I'm quickly sk skimming through the through the thing. It doesn't look like they're mentioning any big details about this. And someone in chat says, "Just be God for eight dollars. Why not? Why not?" Now, here's the part that you've all been waiting for, because this brings us to almost today. All right, are you ready? An ultimatum was passed to Twitter employees on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, okay, was to, quote, work extra hours and, I want the exact wording here, working long hours and extremely efficiently on a, quote, extremely hardcore version of Twitter. And those who are not willing to commit to those terms would be welcome to leave with three months severance pay. So... Let's talk for a minute, okay? Half of the employees were already laid off, okay? A large chunk of contractor workers were, had their contracts ended. You already have a shortage in staff. Now, is this new staff level enough to run Twitter or not? We don't know. The people within Twitter are saying no. Admittedly, the people operating within Twitter have a bias to say it's already too few to save their own jobs and their own paychecks. Now, here's the problem. At first, I wanted to search around for a version of the story that actually gave the exact wording of the message that was sent around. Because long hours and extremely efficiency for a hardcore version of Twitter um, basically tells me exactly nothing. It tells all of us exactly nothing. Long hours could mean that employees that were working 20 hours a week in a part-time sense we're now working 40 hours a week, which is still technically considered full-time. It isn't like forced overtime or anything like that. Now, if you're going ahead and having someone that was a 35 hours a week employee now working 90, and you're not offering, you know, overtime or anything like that, that is a problem. That actually is a huge legal problem. That's actually a problem both morally and also legally. Even if you actually are offering the overtime pay at that point, 
you still have a moral problem within the company. And right now, considering everything that's going on, that's the last thing you need. You already have everyone on the outside looking in on the situation, look at this very negatively. You have a big PR problem. And currently, Elon's doing nothing to address this. And in fact, more and more stories just running with whatever random report they want are not being challenged. I haven't even been talking about half the reports I have found because I couldn't verify them. Everything I've talked about here can be verified. Nothing is being addressed. Nothing is being taken seriously. So he gives this ultimatum to his employees, which at this point I have to assume was given to them as vaguely as, as it's given to us, which I'll be blunt. If I got a letter like that in the mail, I would go ahead, look around to see if there's a job I could bounce to, and then be ready to bounce to it. I don't think I would quit immediately, but I also like the idea of having a plan B I can very seamlessly bounce into. That's the way I've always handled my professional life. Apparently less than half of the remaining employees signed up to work on this quote, hardcore version of Twitter, leaving the management and leaders to try and scramble around to make, to try and get people to stay. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You lost half your employees because you laid them off. You then fired a large chunk of your contractor workers. And now less of the half that remained are willing to stay on board to work on your hardcore Twitter 2.0. Who's left on this ship? This is the question everyone is asking themselves now. There's talks of there being, oh, there's only 25% of the employees left. There's only 17% of the employees left. Do you have enough to run Twitter? And what's made even worse, apparently, according to a couple of reports, and this one I haven't had as good a, good a time verifying, but I haven't found any, but it seems, like I haven't verified it, verified it, but enough people are citing different sources on it that it seems reliable. Reports are saying that Twitter has lost almost their entire payroll department. Yikes. There's a problem you need to fix immediately. And now, now there's even more concerns because part of the biggest problems right now is the fact that a lot of these employees are now disgruntled because Elon has gone in and basically thrown the entire boat upside down, shaking it out. A lot of people laid off and this, that, and the other thing. There's now concerns about sabotage throughout the company. How serious are these threats being taken? Badge access has been turned off for all employees to the Twitter offices. It is a mix between a fear of disgruntled employees sabotaging computer systems and servers within the company. And also another concern that's another concern that a lot of people are talking about. Computer. Ah. Sorry, we had a device just go rogue there for a moment. Maybe it's because of Twitter employees. But you have concerns about now both employees trying to go in and sabotage the servers and the computer systems. There's also the concern that um, the current HR department can't go ahead and de deactivate badges fast enough and needs to go verify which badges to deactivate and which ones to keep active. So as a precautionary measure, they just went ahead and deactivated all of them temporarily while they sort everything out. Is another thing we are starting to hear. Smooth, very, very smooth. And in fact, this caused a big scare on Friday with tons of people thinking that the end of Twitter was nigh. 
because the offices were closed and people were using a projector to go ahead and project a whole lot of Twitter slander all above the door of the Twitter offices. And then, of course, stream the entire thing to Twitter. But I'm sure while all this is going on that Elon Musk went ahead and was very mature and very reasonable and was very leaderly in this moment of distrust and concern throughout the Twitter community, right? Right? Yeah, of course not. He, tw- he tweeted a meme, a meme of that one picture you see with a tombstone and then one guy kneeling down and giving the peace sign while looking smug in the camera, except he put the Twitter logo on top of the tombstone and on the guy giving the peace sign. What a great businessman this guy is, isn't he? What a top tier, top, top tier businessman. I mean, how, how, how could, how could Twitter go anywhere except up from here? Now, of course, one of the biggest questions people are asking is where do we go next? Well, there's parlor. (laughs) Is that still even running? (laughs) I actually don't know. I haven't been on parlor in like over a year. One place I keep hearing people suggest as a Twitter replacement is a site called Mastodon. And I don't know about any of you that actually tried looking at it. I cannot figure out how, uh, how Mastodon works. As far as I can tell, it's basically Discord or Reddit, except more segregated. So I don't know how that's supposed to be Twitter. Because the whole point of Twitter is that it's one timeline curated to your interests, rather than a series of sub feeds that you subscribe to. I don't know. I couldn't figure out Mastodon, but there's another answer. Post.news, a social platform for real people, real news, and civil conversation started by Noam Barden, who apparently was a, one of the original brains behind Twitter. So there's that, I guess. Hmm. It is uh, kind of hard to figure out where it's going to be going from here. Part of me is tempted to go ahead and break and do a fifth segment, but I think we're just going to push onwards. Just go ahead and finish everything we got. So shifting gears radically, we've talked a bit and kind of made fun of meta and the metaverse they are planning, right? You know, the VR almost an MMO, but there's no actual game involved. Basically just a VR chat room like VR chat, except the graphics are terrible and you have no legs. Yeah, that thing, that thing that already is just kind of a a joke of itself. Well, reports are saying that Apple has a plan. Reports are saying that Apple has a recent job listing to shed light on its mixed reality headset to find a quote, new chief, I'm sorry, new design chief. And that also that this new mixed reality headset will have its very own centralized hub that everyone can will, can go ahead and build off of. So basically, exactly like the metaverse, except if except people who are working in the division have said, quote, we will not be using the word metaverse. That word is stupid. Who would have thought that naming your, uh, your VR-based thing after a capitalist dystopian nightmare like the metaverse was a bad idea. Hmm. Fascinating. Someone in chat and someone in chat said, what is it going to be called? Appleverse? 
If I had to guess, iWorld. Actually, they don't really add the word I in front of anything anymore, do they? Just Apple World? Apple Logo World? Apple Reality? I don't know. Instead of talking about fictional things that may or may not be coming, let's talk about real things. Like the fact that Ubisoft and Riot are working together towards a common goal. What do you ask could Ubisoft and Riot both be working on? Why? One of the most horrible things to ever blight the planet. A scourge among all the countries across the world. What could this scourge possibly be? Toxic chat. Yes, they are working together to try and find some kind of automated moderation to help combat toxic chat rooms. Man, the list of things that I'm going to be keeping a watch on while enjoying a giant bowl of popcorn just keeps getting bigger and bigger, huh? Someone in chat just said, so they're removing chat from their games. Yeah, probably. Look, I'll just say this. If that's actually the plan, it's a terrible plan. If the plan to go ahead and combat toxic chat is just to remove chat, you have now just created a scenario where you've lost. No one's going to care about the game now because the whole point of multiplayer games is to communicate, to be social. Even in games like FF14 and their PvP section that they tried to go ahead and remove toxic chat, what they ended up doing still was still giving the ability to at least communicate a little bit. Although I was actually really surprised to find out that um, in Frontlines in FF14, you can still chat normally. And I got a lot of amusement recently on a Frontlines match where all chat did was rip on how terrible of a mode Frontlines is. It was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Kind of like the self-fulfilling prophecy that if scientists can grow it in a lab, they will inevitably try to eat it. In fact, according to U.S. regulators, it is now safe to eat lab-grown chicken meat. I don't know what to say about this. I I'm still bitter about the whole Beyond Beef winning so many CES awards despite not being a consumer electronic at freaking all. It still rubs me the wrong way. I'm sorry, it just does. It infuriates me. But here's what I'll say. As I'll let other people try it first. I'll let people try it first for like a month. Make sure no one gets any food poisoning from this lab-grown meat. Then I'll try it for myself and compare it to the real thing. Just like I did with the Impossible Whopper. And it's just like, you know, man, the Impossible Whopper, it actually, it's not bad. You know, we good texture, good flavor. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Take one bite of the real Whopper. Oh no, this is way better. I'll still never forget that. It was just like night and day. Just not even close. But we'll see how it all goes. Meanwhile, though, in the, in the world of video games, there is a problem. You know what the problem is? In the workplace, there's just no more fun anymore. Windows no longer includes Solitaire or Minesweeper or Hearts or Pinball by default. It's a serious problem, guys. But it's okay. Microsoft has the answers. Because they finally went ahead and gave us the thing we never asked for. They added games for work inside the Microsoft Teams app. Yeah, on Microsoft Teams, you can go ahead and for whatever reason, play, play, I can't even see it with a straight face. Play games like Icebreakers. Wordament, Minesweeper. What is Wordament? I have never heard of Wordament. Is that like Wordle? Are we now, is Microsoft now ripping off Wordle and adding it to the Microsoft Teams? Someone in chat actually did say it is Wordle. 
Minesweeper and Solitaire. What, no hearts? No Ski Free? Man, I want a chance to play Ski Free again just to see if I can get away from the Yeti. I have never gotten away from that Yeti. But yes, all of these are easy to play, of course, because they're Microsoft games. Interactive and multiplayer versions, which will include from two to 250 players. That's what I want to see. I want to see 250 people play the same game of Solitaire. That's what I want to see. I would pay money to see that. 250 people all trying to coordinate and play the exact same game of Solitaire at the same time. That'd be, you tell me that wouldn't be amazing to watch. It would be absolute chaos. Someone in chat says Switch plays Solitaire. Oh, oh yeah, there, there's the thing no one ever asked for. Anyway, one story I meant to talk about earlier and I neglected to is a follow-up to an old story. A story I don't think we even talked about. A story where an NFT, entre a NFT early adopter went ahead and proposed with an NFT instead of, you know, a ring, like most people. Well, um, here's a problem. How's that marriage doing now? Now that the close to 12 Ethereum NFT collection that he proposed with is now worth almost nothing. Also, here's the here's a stupid question that someone else asked on Twitter. If I hack his wallet and get the NFTs, do I get the girlfriend? Hmm. You know, I'm usually all in favor of new and unique ideas because that's how we advance as a, as a society after all. If we just continue to do the exact same things over and over and over again, life gets stale, it gets stagnant. No new ideas are introduced. But um, at some point, you do need to think intelligently. Maybe, just maybe, proposing with the certificate for a collection of AI-generated JPEGs really didn't say a whole lot about, actually, either of you. Didn't say a whole lot about, about the guy who proposed, saying that he had a whole lot of faith in, well, not even JPEGs, receipts to JPEGs. It says a lot about her because apparently she said yes. You know what? As long as they're happy. Though I do wonder how that relationship is going now. Or maybe it won't even matter because maybe, in fact, um, the entire world will be sucked into a super black hole as a strange phenomenon that has been, has been found in the universe sees two black holes about to merge into... One, I can't think of many things that actually in the universe sounds more terrifying than this. Like black holes are already like, are just getting out of control. Someone in chat said, mergers are just getting out of control. FTC needs to step in to stop these black holes from merging. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, but in any case, this is actually a very rare and um, ast astronomers are actually very fascinated by the phenomenon. I, for one, just can't help but look at this picture and see a galactic pig snout uh, looking back at me and know that both of those holes are just sucking up everything and doing, well, basically compressing everything that goes into it into nothing. So, I mean, space. There's two black holes somewhere out there about to merge. But before they do, it's a pig snout. Which somehow leads us into the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you 
the most brilliant idea ever had by the European Commission. You see, the European Commission, while looking at the power consumption of Europe right now, is contemplating what they can do to save on power consumption. What can they do to lessen their carbon footprint? What can they do to lessen their dependence on fossil fuels, especially with the circumstances going on right now with the flow of natural gas and oil? Well, they have a brilliant idea. They're going to go ahead and build data centers in the one place that hasn't been corrupted by fossil fuels. Space! <laughs> That's the plan! The plan right now <laughs> is the one plan that is actually on the table but not approved is to, in fact, put data centers into orbit. <laughs> oh, you just, you just can't make this up. At one point, are we just going to have, like, a rotating shell of satellites surrounding Earth? At one point, is there just not going to be a sky? There's just going to be, like, a metal barrier blocking out the sun surrounding the planet that is just made up of SpaceX freaking data satellites and data centers now using those SpaceX satellites in order to communicate back. And what would the latency be? Oh, man. This is such a bad idea on so many levels that it's just wow. Just wow. But it's okay because this bad idea will live on in this episode of a podcast where a bunch of people who have no credentials whatsoever to laugh at it will continue to laugh at it because even we can see this is a bad idea. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks once again to Factor75. Use my link or go to go.factor75.com and use the code FACTORSE7727 for 60% off your first box. The promo goes until the day before Thanksgiving. It, the, the code may last after that, but our promotional and sponsorship period with them ends before Thanksgiving. Check out our check out the stuff we work on twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon daily podcast anchor.fm slash early BIRB briefing new episodes every weekday or just check out the card eaglefalcon.carrd.co. Take care and I hope you have a great week and have a happy Thanksgiving. Those of you in the U.S. even those of you outside the U.S. Why not? Go have a happy Thanksgiving too, even though you don't celebrate it. So maybe the data centers within space might work if we build a space elevator. Uh, I'm just saying we can build the space elevator. It goes up there, right? We can start building this, this shell around the earth with all these orbital data centers, but no one will buy onto it unless, hear me out, unless 
We follow after Seto Kaiba. We have to put card games in space. That is the real solution to getting this really stupid idea to work. Trust me. Or, you know, just, just, just don't do it. This is dumb.